Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for November 2nd. Hi, my name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, TikTok, and at ETOF21 Sports Understore on Instagram. How is everyone doing this lovely, brisk Monday morning? Just a reminder, tomorrow is election, one of the bigger elections in the history of our country. I've already done my voting. I hope you guys go out and vote. Because if you don't vote, then regardless of what side you're on, you can't bitch if your guy doesn't win. So make sure you guys please go out and vote. Interesting day in the in the NFL yesterday. On today's episode, I always kind of jump through, talk about what I saw, what I learned, and stuff like that. So let's just hop right into it. First game we're going to talk about Colts 41, Lions 21. Same old Lions. Same old Lions. I was really high on this team at the beginning of the year. And let's be honest. If you look at the wild card standing right now, they are fifth. They are two games behind the Rams, and they're entering a a stretch in their schedule where they're going to be able to make up some ground. So they're playing some easy teams. They can still sneak in, but they need to do a much better job, man, not making silly penalties. They had some silly penalties there that really flipped the game. They've lost seven straight at home, countless personal fouls. Stafford had some bad passes. But the whole thing is, without Galladay, that offense is just completely night and day. Galladay is the driving force that Stafford trusts. I mean, Hawkinson is playing a lot better, coming open across the middle. But in terms of just overall production, they definitely need Galladay on there to make sure the offense is clicking better. And also, for the love of God, can we please stop handing the ball off to Adrian Peterson. It just amazes me how Adrian Peterson just keeps on getting touch after touch after touch after touch. Everyone knows I was always high on this Colts team. This is how I kind of envision this Colts team. Solid defense. Rivers not really turning the ball over. And they look good. Their defense is night and day. When they have Leonard and Buckner, that defense is insane. When they don't have those guys, that's when they're going to struggle. In terms of the offense, why the hell is Jordan Wilkins getting 20 touches, 20 handoffs? He led the backfield. He had 20 rushes for 89 yards. Jonathan Taylor only had 11 touches. Why the fuck is that happening? It just amazes me how you'll take a running back in the second round then just not give him the effing ball, which is just crazy to me. Lions' run game was awful. Colts shut it down. Colts' defensive line, like I said, is legit. Next game, we're going to jump into Steelers versus Ravens. Everyone knows I got the Steelers to win it all. Steelers to win the North, take a big two-game lead against the Ravens. Steelers, they didn't look good. They are down by 10 at halftime. Big Ben put him in position to win. But here's my thing with Lamar Jackson. Until Lamar Jackson figures out how to be a quarterback and read more than two people, this is kind of what's going to happen with the Ravens. He made some bad throws, had some bad turnovers, and that's just kind of how they are. I I don't mean to be negative. I hope the kid succeeds. And honestly, I really feel like if they don't win it this year, then their window has closed just because Greg Roman is going to get a coaching job somewhere, have it be college or the NFL. And that offense is a Greg Roman offense. And he is doing a great job of taking what Lamar does well and putting him in a chance to succeed. They did lose Ronnie Staley, the offensive lineman, which is a big loss for them moving forward. 
and I, I really am starting to get a little down on this Ravens team. Offensively, they're not looking what they did last year. Injuries in the backfield. I just wish they would commit to Dobbins. Just have Dobbins be the number one guy. Duvernay, I wish they would play him more. Let him play the slot. He can definitely move the change. He's an explosive player. If you guys listened to my draft preview, I was really high on that kid. And then in terms of Mark Andrews, I told you guys he was a one-game flute. One-year flute, excuse me. He's not a high-end tight end. It's just the offense filters through the tight end, and that's where he had the success. Ravens were in a position to win, but the Steelers got the stop. Steelers, they just play good D as long as Big Ben is turn, not turning the ball over. That's what the Steelers are. Steelers are definitely the top team in the NFL right now. I'll be releasing my power rankings in the next couple of days. Next game, Vikings-Packers. I told all you guys that read my DFS breakdown, the reason we like Delvin Cook is because the Packers can't stop the run, and they can't stop the run. Delvin Cook had a monster game yesterday. Delvin Cook had 30 rushes, 163 yards, and how many TDs that kid have? I mean, what was it, one, two, four TDs. He had fucking four TDs. I mean, that kid fucking ate. And until the Packers can stop the run, I mean, I'm still going to keep using running backs against them in DFS formats. Here's the thing. I've always said the Packers are kind of that bluff team. And the one thing that sticks out to me after yesterday is the NFC North is a complete fucking dumpster fire. None of those teams are quote-unquote good teams, and I expect to make a run. Could one of them get hot, win a playoff game? Yeah, of course. It's the NFL. It's football. It's a week-to-week league. Anything can happen. But overall, big picture, these teams are not that fucking good. In terms of the Vikings, they have a young secondary People were just dropping against them. Um, but Mike Zimmer, you know, he's putting his team in a position to win. But both these teams are not looking good moving forward. Defensively, I thought Rodgers wouldn't have been able to do more against that secondary. Uh, next game, Bills 24, Patriots 21. So I will say this. The coronavirus definitely has hurt Cam Newton. He's just not as energetic, it seems like, not as, just not himself. His facial expression, he looks a lot more drained. Is that COVID? Does he have something else going on in his life? I don't know. But it definitely seems to me with the Patriots, Gilmore not playing, Edelman all of a sudden having a leg injury, this team's just kind of shutting it down. They're going to go out there, compete with the guys they have, and if they win, they win. If they don't, they don't. But I will say this, Belichick is a hell of a coach, and they're in a position to win the game. If Cam doesn't fumble that game, they win that game. And what does it say about the Bills? I have been against this Bills team from the get-go. I've tried to tell you guys this team is an absolute effing bluff of a team. They can't stop the run. Josh Allen is so inaccurate, and this Diggs blow-up is just a matter of time before it happens. They, uh, they're definitely on my bluff list as well. I will continue to be fading this team, especially if I can get them laying points in a playoff game. Oh, my God, that would be a dream scenario for me. But, yeah, Patriots definitely are in a position to win that game. If Newton doesn't fumble that game, they would have won. We would have hit that plus 195, but we did hit the plus four and a half. Uh, Next game, let's jump right on to the Bengals. 31 over the Titans, 20. It's kind of funny. I went on the Gino Bacala podcast. 
my personal podcast when I went through the schedule. And I told all you guys, this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. And the Bengals will straight up win. I said this back in March. And what happened? Bengals straight up won. This Titans team is the biggest bluff in the NFL. And the team could seriously be one. What's the record right now? Hold on. The team could seriously be one and six. They have won so many games they shouldn't have. It's Ryan Tannehill, who is insanely overrated. They just have Derrick Henry where they pound the ball with them. Offensive line isn't as good as his last year, and their defensive backs are awful. This is a prime team that should trade for Stephon Gilmore. They need help on the outside, and adding Gilmore would be a huge uptick. I just don't know if Belichick's going to trade him to the Titans with the history that he has with Rabel. I don't know. Personally, if I were the Patriots, that what I would do is try to get a little bit more draft capital and build from there. And everyone's talking, oh my god, Tua, Tua, Tua. Does anyone realize how good Joe Burrow actually is and why I had him as hands down the top prospect in the draft? He is lighting up defense, putting the Bengals in a position to win. To win. And credit to Zach Taylor, he's finally realized, hey, if we filter the offense through the running back, my quarterback isn't going to take as many hits. So props to him for finally, finally realizing that. Gino Bernard, 15, 62, 1 TD. T. Higgins, 6 for 78. Tyler Boyd, 6 for 76. We have a Tate sighting, 7 for 65. A.J. Green, a disappointing 2 for 19. Something that will always perplex me is why the hell didn't the Bengals trade A.J. Green last year? Last year, his ROI was the highest because teams remembered what he was last time he was on the field. Anyone watching a Bengals game right now will know A.J. Green isn't the A.J. Green of old and will be trading the draft capital as they would have last year. Them not trading A.J. Green was a huge mistake last year. Huge mistake. But like I've said numerous times, I think this Bengals team next year competes for the playoffs. Two years, they're in the playoffs. They're really building something in Cincinnati, which is great to see because I am a closet Bengals fan. Next game, Browns 6, Raiders 16. Let's face it, these Browns are the Browns. They are going to beat teams that they should, and against decent teams, mid-range teams are going to struggle, and this was it. Baker Mayfield, 12 for 25, Buck 22, Kareem Hunt, 14 for 66. And the thing is, and everyone... Like, it just amazes to me how people argue these points, and then what I say is going to happen, happens. And then no one comes back and says, oh, hey, you know what? You're right. Yeah, the Browns need Nick Chubb. Without Nick Chubb, this team isn't as explosive offensively, and Kareem Hunt isn't anywhere near the runner that Nick Chubb is. Without having Nick Chubb, it hurts this offense and its whole running scheme. Baker and is Baker. I told all you guys when Baker was drafted, number one, this guy wasn't an NFL starting quarterback. He should only be a backup in the NFL. And with how Skafanski is calling the games, that's what it shows. He is nothing more than a backup in the NFL. In terms of the Raiders, Carr 15 for 24, Josh Jacobs 30 for 128. It was pretty windy there in Cleveland, so they couldn't really, quarterbacks really couldn't throw the ball, but I will say this. Carr doesn't turn the ball over, and he puts him in a position to win. He doesn't. So if the game is close, 
and the defense can compete. That's what Gruden's looking for. Just a game manager, someone that will put the team in position to win. Is Carr the long-term answer? Eh, probably not. But for this year, I mean, this team is in a position they can probably sneak in as the last wild card, maybe win a game. But that's it for the Raiders. Did anyone else see the hat that Gruden was rocking? Oh, my God. I totally need to get that hat that Gruden was rocking on the sidelines because that was big pimping. Oh, my God. If anyone knows where I can get that hat, shoot me a DM. Next game in a barn burner, Chiefs 35-9. I'm not going to lie. I really thought the Chiefs would do a better job of getting Le'Veon Bell the ball and putting him in a position to at least score a touchdown against his former team. He only had nine touches, six rushes for seven yards, three catches for 37 yards, 31 yards, excuse me. Patrick Mahomes, 31 for 42, five TDs, 416. I mean, Kyle Edwards Hilaire, six for 21. And it's always funny to me. Like, Edwards Hilaire has had two good games, two good games. And if the Chiefs really thought this guy was the answer moving forward, they wouldn't have signed Le'Veon Bell. But the fact they signed Le'Veon Bell tells you all they need to know about Kyle Edwards Hilaire and what they think about him. In terms of the Jets, I mean, Darnold, 18 for 30, Buck 33. Gore, 10 rushes for 30. P. Ryan, 8 for 27. Mims, 2 catches for 42. This Jets team is just a clusterfuck. They really don't have that much talent. And they literally just hired that GM. So now the GM's going to have to get a new coach, but he's friends with Gaze. This is why teams just have this constant cycle. And I let's be honest. If you're Trevor Lawrence, would you want to go to the New York Jets? I mean, that's, ask yourself that question. If you're Trevor Lawrence, would you want to go to the New York Jets? I probably wouldn't. I would want to go to a team that at least had a little bit of structure and something in place with a plan. Like, if when you look at the teams that are in the bottom of the NFL and the Jets, Giants, Jaguars, Texans, Falcons. Oh, let me... So the Falcons have two wins. So you look at the teams with one wins. Texans, Jaguars, Giants, Jets. All right, let's take out the Texans because they have Deshaun Watson. So you have the Jaguars, Giants, Jets. If you look at those three teams, you would want to say the Jets would be the last team you played for. Their infrastructure is just so awful. I would actually kind of want to go to the Jags. Jags got some young talent. They got some guys defensively, and they're building that offensive line. But Trevor Lawrence, if he elects to go back or sit out a year, that's really going to set the Jets back in terms of what they're trying to do. So it's going to be an interesting offseason in New York. Also, I really have no idea how Adam Gaze still has a motherfucking job. Next game, oh my god, Rams 17-28, to they lost the Dolphins, and here's the funny thing for me, the funny thing for me is this, Tua Tagovailoa was 12 for 22, 93 yards, one passing touchdown, he had two rushes for zero yards and a fumble. You would have thought this guy, with the coverage that the media was giving him, lit them up. Tua leads the Dolphins to victory, Tua victorious in first start, Tua this, Tua that. The Rams shot themselves in the foot. Tua is not that good. And it's kind of funny because, like, when you're watching the ticker, 
and they see all the quarterbacks. They'll tell their turnovers. But when it got to Tua, they didn't say how he had that fumble. Interesting. Interesting. It's all the, these announcers are just so hyped on this guy, and they just don't see the holes that he has in his game. And I've never seen someone throw for less than 100 yards and be so fucking hyped. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. I'm kicking myself. I never lay points on the road. I laid points with the Rams. It kicked me in the ass. So that's my fault, guys. Lesson learned. We'll never do that again. That's one of my gambling rules. I broke it. It beat me in the ass. Rams kicked themselves in the ass. Goff looked awful. Rams are the Rams. They have some significant holes. Akers did look explosive, though. So hopefully moving forward, McVay realizes what a weapon he has and how explosive he is and starts to use him more than Daryl Henderson. Defensively, they defensively they held him in check. They gave up a special teams touchdown, a defensive touchdown, and Goff had that pick that shortened up the field. So let's not get it twisted. The Dolphins didn't beat the Rams. The Rams beat themselves. Also, with what's going on, I mean, if you look at the standings right now, you look at the wild card standings, the Dolphins are one game out of the playoffs. This move to Tua, I get it why you did it. The ownership wants it done, sales and everything. You want to see what you have because you're going to have all this draft capital. But it immediately makes this year a complete fucking wash. And winning is a habit. And that's a habit that's going to be broken. It w- So... I'm looking forward to Tua money coming in and me swooping up the cards next week. I'll be weighing on that. Another next game, Broncos 31-30. This is another thing. I'm a Drew Locke guy. I like Drew Locke. I like how he steps into his throws. I like his carefree attitude. I like how he'll throw into the tight window. And he looked awful. He looked fucking awful that first half, first three quarters. They were down by 21 points. All I heard on saw on social media, oh my God, John Elway can't be happy watching Herbert looking at Locke. Back to my back to my comment before, winning is a habit. Now what is this? Four or five losses where Herbert's been up in a game and he's lost. Everyone is jocking Herbert. Herbert this, Herbert that, Herbert this. He had a lead in, against the Chiefs, lost. Lead against the Bucks lost. Lead against the Saints, lost. Lead against the Broncos, lost. So what is that? That's four losses that they've had leads in. Is it? Chiefs game, Bucks, Saints, and Broncos. That's four games. They've had double-digit leads. They're up by 21 points where Herbert was the starter and they lost. That's a habit. That's a trend, people. The Chargers right now could easily, easily be 6-1, battling the Chiefs. They have Ingram and Bosa, explosive edge rushers, a better offensive line. But instead, because of these blown games, I mean, they're 2-5, going to be out of the playoffs yet again. This, is, this offensive line is way better than any offensive line Phil Rivers has had in a while. And it's going to waste because they're blowing games. And it's just kind of funny to me because... Everyone kind of reacts and overreacts on social media instead of just sitting back. I was just sitting back and laughing because I thought they were in a great position. I'm kicking myself for not live betting them. 
because I love the position the Broncos were in. Came back, Lack got it done, drove him down, hit the touchdown for Hamler to win the game. He's doing dances afterwards. I love the moxie of this kid. I love his little attitude. The Broncos are going to be a top team in the West, but not until next year. And the reason is they brought in Shermer. Shermer's offensive scheme is going to help Locke immensely, but due to the global pandemic of COVID-19, Locke missed all that time in training camp. And him missing all that time in training camp just hurt his development. I understand the metrics metrics this, metrics that. He's not going to be good. But at the end of the day, I like what I'm seeing from Locke. I like how he steps in his throws. I like he goes to the tight window, and I like his carefree attitude. He doesn't let stuff carry over to the next game. In terms of the playoffs, let's kind of take a look at the playoffs, see where everyone's standing. I mean, the Broncos are two games back of the playoffs, back behind the Browns with the Raiders and Dolphins in front of them. I do believe they have two games against the Raiders. They could easily make a run and kind of get into this. Chargers are three games back. Their season's basically over. So now let's go to the Saints against Bears. The one thing about this, now granted, as all you guys know, I never listen to the sound when I watch NFL, just because I like to make my own narratives. I like to decide what I'm seeing and what's going on. And Troy Aikman kept on saying the Bears should go back to Mitch Trubisky. They're never going to go back to Mitch Trubisky. And the reason is, is because they didn't pick up his player option. That means if he goes in and does well, and heaven forbid, the Bears make a run to the playoffs or make the playoffs with him under center, his contract demands are going to be higher. Just the economics, they will not go back to him. And Aikman didn't understand that. Bears' offensive line is a train wreck. Defense, they played okay, but offensively, they're just so limited on what they can do. Montgomery did show some flashes, but running that offensive line needs to be addressed. And what was Wims doing? He went up, sucker punched the DB. DB kind of looked at him, and then he got in a fight with him. He needs to be suspended for a while, a couple games. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And then after he does it, he starts clapping like the penalty's going to be on the fucking Saints. Dumbass. You went up and punched a DB. The DB didn't even flinch. He just kind of pointed, and then you kept on going at him. It was just, It was an insane, an insane joke. Saints, um, yeah, Breeze has no arm strength. Offense is filtered through Kamara. This, and they keep on bringing in Taysom Hill. If I'm Drew Breeze, a Hall of Fame quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and you bring in a gadget runner, that's basically what it is, a gadget runner, a gadget player to run goddamn quarterback power like he's Tim fucking Tebow, I'd be a little pissed off. I think the Saints team has a little bit of issues in the locker room. Uh, Michael Thomas getting fights, Drew Brees being taken out in, in situations. This Saints team, this is their last year. If they can somehow get a, a Super Bowl win, it would be remarkable, but I just don't see how they can do it with the NFC. I think this and the defense isn't as good as it was. Lattimore is getting beat a lot, and they do have that big game on deck against the Bucks. 
Next game, 49ers against the Seahawks. Oh, my God. Just injuries galore. I thought this game would be, even though there was 64 points, I thought it would be way more high scoring than what it was. And can we just all just take a moment to appreciate my boy DK Metcalf. 15 targets, 12 receptions, 2 TDs. 161 yards. This thing, this guy is the closest person to Bo Jackson that we've seen in the league. Seattle is Seattle, though. I mean, defensively, they have struggles. Offensively, they're kind of still struggling without Chris Carson to run the ball that much. And their defense is so bad. They're going to team... If the number is higher than three, and we got it at two and a half, we had Seattle minus two and a half, they're going to have a hard time scoring. It's not scoring, excuse me, covering. Just because the defense is so bad. And moving forward, I will be attacking that defense more. Our DFS lineups took a huge blow with Garoppolo getting hurt. 49ers losing Garoppolo, losing Kittle, losing Coleman is just big for them. They have a short week, a game with possible playoff implications against the 49ers on Thursday. That's not boding too well for them. And you don't even know if Garoppolo is going to be able to play quarterback. He's got that ankle injury. So that I'm fine. I'm looking forward to that Thursday game, but there's a lot of questions going into that. And then lastly, the Sunday night game. Oh, my God. What does it say that Dianucci threw for almost 100 yards more than Tua Tagaloa? I wish I could have found a prop for that. God, that would have been great. Cowboys ran all these gadget plays. We're in position at least to score, make the game a little bit more competitive. It was 15-9. Drove down. Guy was offsides for the Eagles. Fumble scored 21-9. Blew our cover because we're sitting on the Cowboys plus 11.5. That was a little kick in the ball sack for me and my guys. Came out ahead, though, at the end of the day, so can't really complain. And this is the one thing I've noticed since I've started doing this thing. And my main thing will always be the sports betting, giving you guys my thoughts on betting, members trying to help you guys win money and whatnot. But I've kind of shifted to putting a little bit more like editorial, a little bit more news and my thoughts. And I see these guys and women with immense amounts of followers and the knowledge they're spewing is just so astronomically wrong. It's comical. And it just shows me how many people don't know football. That's my biggest takeaway from the weekend. How many people don't know football, that are in a position that have a big following and spew that they do know football. But that was that. Uh, great week coming up. We have yeah, a game tonight. I mean, Bucks against the Giants. Not really sure how you can be excited about that game, but I know I will be. Wink, wink. And then Tuesday, obviously, is going to be an off day. We got nothing going on. Wednesday, we have a loaded slate of MAC action. We got six games. Then Thursday, we got two college games, an NFL game, three games of college on Friday. So we got a loaded week coming up. I got memberships available. You guys want to hop on the winning team, start cashing some tickets, shoot me a DM. You can become part of the team. Stay safe. Be well. I will say this, something a little personal. Be safe on Tuesday night. The girlfriend, she lives down in the city, and the doorman told us, don't be in the city 
the city being Chicago on Tuesday night. So it regardless of who wins Tuesday, I think it's going to be a little nutty outside. So just be safe, guys. Be well. And I will see you guys on Saturday. Also, one more thing in terms of the Saturday podcast. I may be going home. Old man's birthday is coming up. Maybe going home to surprise him for the for the birthday. If I do that, the Saturday podcast may be a little skewed with the timing. So that's that. Be safe, be well, and I will talk to you guys Saturday.